just because we're virtual or remote doesn't mean we need to talk any less to move work forward. In fact, it means we need to talk more. But if talking is interruptive and typing is slow and lacks all of the tone of voice and body language that communication happens, what's the alternative? Welcome to episode 53 of The Future of Work, the podcast that looks at every aspect of work in the future and is brought to you by Wanda and Patton. On this podcast, we speak to industry experts and thought leaders discussing how work is changing and evolving. I'm Doug Folks, your co-host, and I'm here with Claire Haydar, the CEO of Wanda and Patton. Claire, who have we got on the podcast today? We're talking to a very interesting person. His name is Josh Little, Doug. And I was really excited when Josh and his team reached out to us and asked if they could join us on the podcast. And the reason for that is they have built a really, I don't want to use a cheesy word and say awesome or amazing tool, but I think it really is. It does fall into that category. He's the CEO of Volley. They're meeting companies in that space between Slack and Zoom or you know, insert any other ones, the teams, any one of those type of tools that companies are using right now, where the communication that is being conducted on those, you know, applications is meeting our workforce today, say to like maybe 60 or 70% of it need, the, its needs. But there's a very real piece that isn't being addressed. And that is where Volley comes in. And so this whole conversation is about communication broadly, but also very specifically about the spaces that we still need to fill and evolve into as employers, employees, team members, workers. As always, we've split the conversation we had up into three different sections. What are we talking about today specifically? So the first one is taking that that big step back in segment one and just Going back to basics, what is communication? How does it happen? What are the types of communication that happens in organizations? And very importantly, in this world of virtual work that we now live and move and breathe in, what differentiates virtual communication from previously where communication was predominantly in person? Let's have a chat to to Josh. Josh, so good to have you on here with us today. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. I'm going to dive right in. And this is pure curiosity because I have no clue. I'm a volleyball player, loved the sport, played it for a really long time and will happily get on a volleyball court whenever I can. Is the company name in any way related to volleyball? Well, it is because if you you can use volleyball, the game, as a metaphor for communication, because the goal is to keep the ball in the air, bouncing back and forth over the net, right? As many times as you can. And that's the goal in conversation is we're going to take turns in the conversation and just keep the ball in the air, keep the conversation in the air as long as we need it to be. Uh, and then one of us will decide, you know, that's the end. And that's why I'll go for the spike. And you'll agree like, yep, that's probably the end of this conversation. And then we'll, we'll start another, well, is that a rally? Yeah. So I guess that's a rally in, in volleyball. Yeah, that's right? a rally. Yeah. But that's the idea. Everyone kind of understands volley. We take turns, we're bouncing the, the ball back and forth. And that's that's what you do in volley. Josh, uh, from my side, I'd just like to say hello. Nice to meet you. Oh, it's great to meet you, Doug. We're obviously going to talk in some detail about volley as the podcast goes on. But I think let's start with a broader description of communication in general. How did you say that communication happens in work today? 
Well, if you really boil it down, you have two ways to communicate with someone that you work with. And, and the goal of communication should be to move work forward. Otherwise, why are we doing that? So if the goal is to move work forward, you can either talk or you can type. And today we have modern versions of talking and typing. These are the same versions that we've had for the last decades or hundreds of years. But when I say talk, I'm talking about getting in a room or on a Zoom. And when I say type, I'm talking about tools like chat or email or text communication. And so when you when you boil it down, those are really the only two ways you have to move work forward. And each of them have their problems. When we choose to talk, we're, we're doing something that is rich because of all of the nonverbals. That's why we have, even though we're not going to use the video in the podcast, that's why we're looking at each other today because of all of you know the 55% of communication that's made up from me moving my hands right now or what my eyes look like when I'm, when I'm saying that. So we need to talk to move work forward, but it's wildly interruptive and fraught with all of this bad behavior, which we put into this bucket of meeting behavior, right? And 51% of the average knowledge worker's day is, is filled with, quotes, meetings. And then what do we do the rest of the time? Well, we, we chat and we text and we on things like Slack or Teams. But when we choose to do that, we're choosing to do something we're seven times slower at than this thing called talking. But we put up with it because it's flexible. We can batch it and put it into corners of our day and get to it when we need to. And so those are really the two primary ways that we have to communicate. And that's why the two most popular versions are Slack and Zoom today. Interesting. Yeah. Let's talk specifically about virtual companies. Okay. And again, we're not going to be industry specific. We're not going to be job function specific. What makes virtual communication different? to in-person communication, because that's the piece that you didn't split out in your previous answer. That's right. Yeah. Because it's a whole different beast. The tools that we have today were really built for a world that had proximity in it. There was time and place bound. We went to a place or a building to do this thing called work. And we sat in meetings. And therefore, while we sat in meetings, we could multitask doing something called chat in, in something like Slack, right? And when proximity is taken out of the equation, a number of problems immediately crop up. How do I tap someone on the shoulder? How do we have that informal communication around the water cooler at lunch or walking out to our car that really developed into uh, what was the basis of our relationship or trust? And so virtual communication is an entirely different problem to solve that the proximity is no longer available to us. So this is why when the pandemic hit, we, you know, meetings immediately increased the number of meetings, time spent in meetings, and then uh, also the the feel of lack of communication or lack of connection with coworkers also increased with that. As we we don't have those little ad hoc interactions that we once had, where I was able to just pop in and and say hello to you in in your office or around the water cooler or at lunch. And those things. And Simon Sinek put it very well recently when he said, you know, we're living on borrowed time. This, the only reason this is working is because we're living on existing relationships. We knew each other before the, the pandemic hit. And so we're using that capital. However, we are hiring new people. Our companies are growing. Other people are moving on to other opportunities. And we're going to have to pay up for those sorts of things. So that's what makes the virtual environment unique is we, we don't have that tap on the shoulder 
if we need to talk, we need to get on a Zoom like we are now. And to get on a Zoom or get in a room, those things are synchronous, which means I have to stop what I'm doing. We have to get on a call. We have to deal with technical difficulties. We have to, you know, the, do the obligatory small talk, allow the meandering of the conversation, as well as the fact that meetings are just like sponges. They just soak up whatever time you give them. So if you give it 30 minutes or 60 minutes, magically that meeting will take 30 minutes or 60 minutes. And regardless of what we had to talk to, this is Parkinson's (laughs) law, you know, work will expand to fill the time that you give it. And every meeting absolutely does those things. It's kind of a, a poor substitute for the physical environment to use those tools like Slack and Zoom in these virtual environments where we're going to get even more of the bad behavior, which is going to lead to lack of connections, uh, lack of culture, if we believe that communication is culture, which we must, right? And um, more meetings. So if you're okay with that, then you can just continue to use the same tools and communicate in the same way as you did when you're in the same space together. Before we move on to the next section, Josh, I think I think this is a really appropriate time for me to ask you, why volley? Why did you develop it? Because I think the frustration in your last answer that you've just given to my question hints at why you develop volley. Just because we're virtual remote doesn't mean we need to talk any less to move forward. In fact, it means we need to talk more. But if talking is interruptive and typing is slow and lacks all of the tone of voice and body language that communication happens, what's the alternative? And so volley is a video messaging app that allows you to share video messaging back and forth with one another. So we talk just like any other conversation, except we record our turn with video. And that gives us the best of both worlds, the richness of talking. So you can see me, the tone of voice, what I'm saying, I can explain my question, expand the idea, but you don't have to view it while I'm talking. You can view it a minute later, an hour later, later that day, whatever is needed for that conversation. And that gives us kind of the richness of talking with the flexibility of texting. And and that's really what's needed to try to solve communication in this virtual environment, which is, you know, now put upon pretty much every company and and companies are trying to figure out how do we do this? And some companies are trying to bring employees back and they don't want to come back. And and so every company is trying to figure out how to solve for communication in what seems like a future that is only going to be more remote, only more virtual and flexible. And so that's what we're trying to solve with Volley head on is to create a new way to communicate at work which uses the best of of both of the existing methods. Do you think, Josh, that then that by introducing the visual element and the tone of voice, that helps build the trust? You talked about if you've knew someone with history, you've already built that trust, probably in a face-to-face environment. But if you're doing it purely virtual with someone that you haven't physically met before, I I imagine it goes a long way to help building trust quicker. Absolutely. It depends on what we attribute trust to, uh, you know, and when you take the proximity away and communication away, these, all these little ad hoc interactions that we used to have around the water cooler, the joke that I told you when I popped into your office or when I saw you at lunch or or whatever, uh, when you take those away, you, you start to suddenly realize how much those actually created. And the question is, where did we actually build this trust? Did we build it sitting in meetings, talking to one another, or did we build it in in all of the interactions in between? 
And because one of the top two problems of remote work is loneliness or, or lack of connection, it seems that that trust was built from all of those other interactions in between. It's kind of like seventh grade camp when you sat in a classroom all year with these students, but you actually didn't make friends until the end of the year when you went and slept in bunks and played around in the mud together at seventh grade camp or whatever. It's kind of like that, you know, uh, trust is built, not sitting eyeball to eyeball in meetings, but in everything in, in between. And that's, that's what we're trying to, enable with Volley is all of these little ad hoc interactions. I can tell you that joke. I can pop in and say, hey, I can ask a question. I can say, hey, you know, this morning you're seeming a little off. Is, is everything all right? I can do those things in a way that's not interruptive to your work and to the, the flow of work or, or deep work. And so, yes, we're hoping to bring trust back from those little interactions. For me personally, my experience in functioning in virtual environments with teams, it's not a trust issue for me. I mean, the majority of our team that we currently have right now, like I've never met them in person. And because we've built the company from the ground up that way, that pretty much applies to 90% of the company. You know what I mean? From mm -hmm. its inception. And I definitely still trust these people. Like I trust them to show up. I trust them to deliver. And that trust is strengthened when they keep delivering good work over and over and they delight customers. For me, it's the nuance of each individual human. You know, so like if mm -hmm. I can give an example, when in the very early days of our company, we chose as a product team to come together in our investors' offices because we knew that in that early build of the product, when you're still prototyping and there's still so many unknowns, just being able to like talk in real time about ideas floating in your brain is so critical. And it's harder to do that in a virtual environment. And on those days where we were all together in the office, for example, the team figured out that I really like eating sour sweets. You know what I mean? It's because mm -hmm. I was constantly running downstairs to go and get sour sweets. And we've pretty much figured out very quickly because there was a Starbucks close by, like what each person's nuance of a drink is. And it gives you an insight into somebody's character and those little nuances that seem so insignificant, but they actually are significant in, in the bigger picture, you know? And I think that's the piece that for me is the most lacking in a virtual environment because I don't get to see the nuance of Josh. I don't get to see the nuance of the flavor of coffee that you like. That's right. Yeah. And I, it's, I think Patrick Glencioni kind of details this, that trust, there's, there's the predictive side of trust, the I know that you're going to deliver. You're going to do what you say you're going to do. That that's there's that part. But what you're talking about is more of, of the relationship side of trust. That yes. as humans, how are we connected? How how do we know each other? How do we relate? What what's our inside joke and understanding about each other? And those things are impossible to build in a virtual environment with the existing tools. I'm not going to slack you the joke because I'm, you know, it's not going to be funny. Right. Uh, and I, I'm <laughs> exactly. not going to schedule a zoom to tell you a joke. So <laughs> I'm just not going to tell you the joke, I guess. Right. Which, and yeah. Okay. Well let's schedule virtual happy hours. Yeah. But that's forced fun by definition. That's not going to work either. Right. And yeah. th that's what we're talking about. We kind of just have to get in a room. It's not really for the work that we're doing. It's more for like, 
what we say to each other when we're standing up going to get a bag of chips or whatever that that thing is, right? If you like view the the team at Volley in a given day or any any team that's heavily using our product, you'll see something that you don't see in any other team. We're constantly syncing up, checking in, unblocking, constantly in the flow of work throughout the day. We don't have time or place holding the the quality of our communication in any certain place. So I can, in 20 minutes, I can be in 10 conversations, checking with my head of product, our lead of the desktop, uh, talking to a user, forwarding a bug, all in high quality, full definition, you know, tone of voice, body language, form of communication that is in no way interruptive. I could stop and go check in with one of my kids at any time and see how they're doing on their homework and then come back two minutes later and resume it. These are the luxuries that you don't have in in time or place bound conversation or, you know, meetings as you will. But all of those things build up to equal what we could call culture or we could call relationship because isn't isn't communication just the basis or the foundation of of culture? Like if you take all communication away, do we even have a culture? Do we even have a relationship? I don't think it's possible without communication. So how you communicate is how you relate, how how your culture looks. Um, so I think it's important to be deliberate about that and be thoughtful about how we're going to communicate and how we're going to show up to each other because it matters. And that's the first part of our conversation with Josh Little. Be sure to catch the next two parts of this interesting look into communication on Spotify, Google or Apple Podcasts, or on Wanda's website wndyr.com. From Claire and myself, we'll see you soon.